Thanks, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Vineyard. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are very, very happy that you're with us. Uh, bathrooms, if you need them, uh, there's one inside here for the ladies or out the door and to the left, and then gentlemen out the door and down to the right there if you need the bathrooms at any point. Or if you need a cold drink, just uh, please stop up the back there and grab yourself a, a water. This morning, um, we want to continue this conversation that we're in with the Holy Spirit right now about who he is and how he, how he plays out his life among us and through us and, um, uh, and, and some of the functionality of what that looks like. We're trying to also um, demystify a few myths and we're trying to um, repaint some very naturally supernatural ways of living in a relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're going to press in a little bit more on that today and want to, we're going to really begin to look at um, this idea of growing or maturing in the grace of God on our lives. Uh, often we, we get tastes, we have encounters, we have in-breakings, of the Holy Spirit in our life at many different um, intersections along the way and in the different seasons that we're in from being, uh, you know, um, from children to youth to young adults and on we go into the different seasons and stages of our lives. And we've, we have these encounters and visitations of the Holy Spirit and, and in all of it, in all of those encounters, there is, um, while there is this incredible sense of this is God's love for me in this moment for this season. At the same time, it's a beckoning from God. It's a calling from God from where we are into everything that he has for us in terms of understanding ourself, where we belong, What's my purpose in this season and at this stage of my life? Right through into our vocations as well. And so we're going to look at God's invitation to grow us up a little bit more and what that might look like in our discipleship with Jesus. And so this morning, though, I want to pick up where we left off. If we can go to the first slide, Sam, if possible, we could... Oh, Isaac, there you are, mate. I didn't, didn't see you there. If you could go to the first slide or slide number two, that'd be great. This is where we finished off last week. The church exists uh, for the sake of those who are exiled from God. We're called to bring the gospel of the kingdom to every nook and cranny of creation, faithfully translating the message of Jesus into the language and forms that are relevant to diverse peoples and cultures. And last week, we pressed into that big invitation of Paul's in 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, follow the way of love and eagerly pursue the Spirit's gifts. Uh, so, and, and that's on the back end of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, are very important. You hold them together as a big unit rather than trying to pull them all apart. But if you hold them all together... In, in, in Romans 12, Paul talks about all the functionality of the Holy Spirit's grace and giftings. And then he, then he centers the whole thing in 1 Corinthians 13 that you hear read just about every wedding you go to. 
the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering, all of that. And then he goes into, after describing what love is like, he says, now, follow the way of love and eagerly pursue the Spirit's gifts. They go together. And so last week, we finished off with that quote. And so my first question to us this morning is, where did love lead you this last week since we've been together? Where did love lead you? Follow the way of love. Follow the way of the Spirit. Follow the functionalities of the outworking of the grace that's on your life. It will lead you somewhere if you will give, you, if you will give your followership. So my first question this morning is, did we hear the invitation of love? Did we actually hear the Holy Spirit in our context, in our relationships, in our workplaces? Did we hear the Holy Spirit and did we follow? And for those of us that can sit here and go, yep, I have a very clear, distinct moment in my mind that I can pull to memory from this week where I, I followed the way of love and the Spirit led me to for the sake of another. And in that moment, I was conscious of the Spirit's giftings to be able to bring the kingdom to those persons that love led me to. This, this is how it kind of plays out in our every day today. We've kind of sanitized and diversified and disunified the whole thing <laughs> and made it very myopic and very, very microscopic when it's meant to be held together in this relational context of dynamic love. Where did the love lead you this week? Who did the love touch? And what gifts did you find in the toolbox of God's kingdom when you arrived at that place where love led you this week? Was it a word of wisdom for somebody? Was it a prophetic utterance that gave them encouragement or comfort in their moment? What was the grace that you discovered there that when you got there you went, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but would you help me? And the Spirit graced you. What gifts did you discover? were at play there. I remember when I was um, not long, well, not long after I was saved, someone, someone in their wisdom gave me a microphone and asked me to share somewhere <laughs> once. And uh, so I was 19 and I was given my first opportunity to, to share and teach. And I, I remember listening back to that audio tape as it was in those days I, was, I listened back to that audio tape, and I've got to say, it was terrible. It was terrible. My, my, the way I presented, the, the incoherent nature of trying to get everything out of my heart through my mouth in a way that somehow made sense and trying to keep up with all of that, let alone the heresies that I preached. I mean, the whole thing just was like, but someone, someone under the grace of God, said, hey, Kirk, I think, I think there's something there on your life. Here, lean into it for a moment. 
and they trusted God with me in that space. It was terrible. I, I mean, God bless them. They were operating with absolutely a grace of faith on their life because they could see what I couldn't. And they could see what others couldn't. But in that moment, they saw and they invited me to lean in. Well, that was 32 years ago. 32 years ago. And I'm not too sure that my, my vernacular and my vocabulary has improved much or my presentation capacities have improved that much or my spelling or <laughs> my spelling. But there's this grace that I've partnered with over the last 32 years to allow God to grow me up. And as I've just gently said, yes, Lord, along the way, he's seen fit to lead my life and put me in places and relationships and settings and contexts that I would never have ever thought for myself to be in. This is the way of the Spirit. This is the way of the Spirit. Follow the way of love means I will give my followership to the Spirit who is leading me into everything that Jesus has authored for me so that my faith might be full and alive and rich. And the beneficiaries of that are those who don't know Jesus yet. But sometimes we have seasons in our life where it requires us to partner with the relationship that God wants to have with us. Often in our seasons or in my seasons of relationship with Jesus, <clears throat> he's always the one that turns up for the conversation. Sometimes I leave him there. I turn up often uh, and usually the times that it's just him is the moments where I'm trying to trying to skirt away from what I know he's inviting me into, which reveals my lack of true identity, that I haven't grasped it yet, because the Spirit of God always wants to lead us into the Lordship of Jesus and the love of the Father, the love of the Father. And yet when I skirt the edges, when I can hear his voice and I turn a blind ear or I turn a deaf ear and a blind eye, I can't see you, I can't hear you, and I have to work very hard to do that. Those are the times where I know the Spirit is beckoning me. Come, come into everything that the Father has for me. But there's seasons in our life where God is saying, would you just turn up? Turn up. I'm not asking you to perform. I'm not asking you to somehow prove yourself. He's looked after all of that for us. He's, he's, he's demonstrated his love for us in that whilst we were still far from him, he sent Christ to restore us. It's, it's not about our performance or our sense of like, you know, um, self-effort. No, no, it's this gracious gift from God that says, come to me. But at times we... We leave God there and we avoid the conversations. And it's, sometimes it's like that in our personal sense of vocation or relationships. They don't seem to flow so well. They don't seem to flourish as ideally as, or as we've hoped or envisioned. And sometimes they, they disintegrate. Sometimes they break apart. Sometimes they divide. Sometimes there's unforgiveness and bitterness. And 
Sometimes that's because one or the other parts and disengages and moves away and steps back for whatever reason and the relationship breaks down. The reason why I say that is because God calls us into a new identity and a new way of doing life and a new way of doing relationships and it doesn't come naturally but it does come by the power of the Holy Spirit to tell a different way of doing life. And it's a beautiful, gracious gift from God. But it does mean we have to turn up. So in this season where love's leading us and the Spirit is being poured out on us in fresh and beautiful ways, the question this morning is, are you turning up? couple of weeks back, if I could jump across uh, two slides, thanks Isaac, to slide number four. Um, a couple of weeks ago, remember how um, Matt, while we were meeting together here, Matt had this sense of God speaking to him and he, and he shared this little picture word from the Holy Spirit about a little seedling being placed into like cotton wool, wet and cotton wool, like all the kids do when they're in little prep or grade one and you know, they kind of watch the little seed begin to take life in, um, in that little bit of cot- wet cotton wool. Well, I just thought that was straight up encouragement from the Holy Spirit because I'd, I'd been spending probably about a month to six weeks before Matt came and shared that with me. I'd, I'd had this picture on my laptop. For some reason, the Holy Spirit just caught my attention to this picture and I just let it sit there on my laptop. So every time I turn my laptop on, this this is on my home screen. And I'm just like, what are you talking to me about, God? And then Matt comes along and says, hey, I feel like God's showing us this little encouraging picture word from the Holy Spirit about a seed being planted. And I just simply want to encourage you. God is calling you to maturing in the grace that he's placed in your life and the favor that he's placed upon you. And he's calling you in this season with the Holy Spirit to grow up into everything that that seed contains, that story within that seed that God has for your life. But have a look at that first, the first direction of that seed. The first direction is that it goes down, it goes deep. It's not reaching out and looking for, say, hey, look at me, (laughs) I'm this kind of plant. No, no, the first orientation of the seed is to go down and to go deep, to reach deep, deep into the soil of the kingdom of God, deep into the soil of God's presence. This season, there's a number of us, as I've been, you know, I had the joy of listening to what God's doing. God's calling people to come, come with him, go deep. Let the roots go deep. Don't let them be shallow, but to go deep. Because to go deep means to ultimately, in the end, to go far and to become all that you're meant to be in God. So in this season, and some of us are at different stages and phases of that, which is really wonderful. We're all in these different places on that stuff. But listen to the Spirit. Tend to what God's doing in your life as the first call of your discipleship. Turn up and let him show you. Paul here 
is interested in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. If you've got your Bible there, I want you to open it up. And we're going to jump across uh, to two more slides. Thanks, Isaac. To 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 27 and 30 to 31 together. And Paul's done this great teach on the gifts and how they fit together and function together. And then he, and then he makes some really bold declarations. The first one he says... In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, he reads this. He says, Now you are the body of Christ. He's not saying when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it or if you feel good enough or you've behaved enough. No, he's making a declaration of what it means to be a follower of Jesus filled with the Spirit and connecting to his family on mission to see the world saved. He's making a strong declaration you are. It's, 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 a, it's a declaration of a new identity. He's not saying you might feel like. You might identify with. No, that's not what he's saying. That's not the, the intent or the inertia behind what the words that he's using. He's saying you are. You are the people of Jesus, the body of Christ in the world, filled with his spirit. And remember last week I said it doesn't matter what kind of believer you are, the spirit is not interested in only coming on the mature. No, no, no. All flesh. Young, old, male, female, all flesh, independently of income earning capacities, all flesh, the spirit is being poured out. It's not an issue of um, being mature enough to receive the spirit, but it is an invitation to identify the spirit is being poured out and calling us to grow up into who Paul says we are. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part is a part of it. And in the church, God's appointed first of all apostles. I'm going to unpack this in a second. Apostles and second prophets, thirds teachers, then workers of miracles and those having gifts of healing and those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking different tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. It's a really punchy little few verses of teaching there from Paul. Sometimes in the church, we get a little injured. We get a little worn out from the journey. We've, we've taken a few hits from the enemy and we've even taken a few hits along the way from our brothers and sisters and from the complete strangers who just look at us and don't get it. And as a result, the church limps it doesn't scare God and it doesn't scare us because we're interested in both the glory and the grit of the kingdom of God. The church limps along. The victorious church is the church that's still limping under the grace of God. The victorious church is not the church that is um, void of pain or void of suffering or void of difficulty. 
The victorious church is the church that's mature enough to realize that, hey, we know the glory and the grit, they work together till the kingdom comes in all its fullness. And we're not afraid to walk like that. We've had wonderful seasons in this church, full of life and vigor. We've had wonderful seasons as a movement of churches. But man, over the last few years, it's been really tough on people just holding the line of their faith in the midst of so much swirl. The body of Jesus has really struggled, but at the same time has been incredibly creative to be able to continue to proclaim the good news and demonstrate the kingdom and be the body of Christ. Right now, the Holy Spirit is at work calling all of us to again realize we are the body of Christ. Little church, big church, global church, global body, wherever you want to sort of land on all of that, that's fine. But you are part of it. It's a beautiful thing and a powerful thing to see people put up their hand, open their heart and open their lives and step forward into this participation with the life of the Spirit. And my prayer is that we'll continue to grow up and grow deep and grow out as we follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just jump on to the next slide if we could. Thanks, Isaac. I just want to touch on these few things here. Firstly, Paul's, um, he, he makes this statement. He says, you are the body of Christ. Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a declaration of identity. And I've got it in the next little statement as well. But when you hear that, you are the body of Christ, I want to encourage you, try and hear that with an awareness that you're sitting in a room with other people. You're not on your own. See, the first thing is we hear that as if it's just to me and about me. We tend to be about ourselves, don't we? But the Holy Spirit, when Paul's writing this, he's saying it is about you, but it's about, about the people around you even as much as it is about you. So when you're hearing it about you, it's about the people near you. There's this new selflessness and this new awareness of that comes under the Holy Spirit's grace. Isn't it good when we have those moments of reprieve, when we just get over ourselves and we just get beyond the fascination we have with ourselves and we feel freedom because it's like, oh, my life is meant for more. This is, this is it. Paul's talking about a new identity. You are the body of Christ. And he's talking about a new belonging. So you no longer belong to the powers and the principalities and the dark forces that are at work in the earth. You've been saved out from under that and into the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who now says, you're my brothers and sisters, you're my family, and this is my Father who says, you're his kids. And he gives you his spirit, a new belonging. Belonging manifests when we've dealt with our overwhelming disqualification culture. You know, only the qualified get to play. No, no, no. 
belonging comes because of the declaration of who God has said we are through Jesus Christ. We're his family. And it's a new way of life together. Where Paul says in, that, in 1 Corinthians 12 there, he says, God has appointed. There's this functional structure of what it means to be a people together following Jesus. And I just want to tap on that very gently right now because when we read that before, most of us when we heard the words where Paul says, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets and teachers, and he, most of us probably heard that and started a list from the top down in our thinking. Okay, one apostles, two prophet, three, and and then, oh yeah, gift of helps. Helps made the list. <laughs> helps, tongue speakers. We kind of categorise it from top down. And then we go, oh no, 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 I can't think like that. That's not the way to think. What we need to do is those that have first have more... The most responsibility. So let's flip the whole thing upside down and put apostles because it's built, everything's built on the revelation of the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So if they're doing the heavy lifting down below, then I can find my place in the order of things. I want you to take those two lenses and I just want you to park them over there for a little bit. Just leave them over there. And I want to invite you to think about this differently. I want to, I, I want to suggest biblically. Uh, let's, let's jump on to the next uh, slide. Thanks, Isaac. See the arrow there? This, this is Jesus. And Jesus is bringing his kingdom into the earth every day, all the time. Jesus is setting the captives free. Jesus is calling people to follow him in what he's doing. Jesus is on mission. Jesus is not static. He's on the move. The kingdom of God is advancing in the earth. So rather than top down or bottom up, what this is is, it's not even right to left. It's just following where Jesus is moving. And Jesus ultimately is only ever doing what he sees his father doing, John 5, uh, John, 4, uh, John 5, 19. I only do what I see my father doing. So Jesus is on the move, bringing the kingdom according to the father's great love in the power of the spirit, and we are caught up in the wake of this. Ever been uh, water skiing or a toboggan on a toboggan behind a boat? Uh, there's, when a boat goes through the water, it leaves a wake and things that get caught up into the wake as it's moving along. This is what it's like. Jesus is on the move. His kingdom is creating a wake and it's drawing people up into what he is doing as the world is being saved unto him. Now, in the wake of what he's doing, he's, as he's saying to his people, come on this way, He's saying, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grace people. I'm going to give them stuff to do because this is who they are and the Father's appointing this because these things need to happen so that what happens in the wake is 
that the world would know that God is good and people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and enter the kingdom of God. Take your place. You're a part of it. You're in the wake. You've been drawn up into what God's doing. And in the wake of that, the Spirit's being poured out and there's these um, functionalities of life together. Uh, and he says it, you know, if to some there's this, to some there's that. Are you all this? Are you all that? Well, no, clearly not. But there's together this sense of we are following Jesus together. And the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers, if you jump into Ephesians 4, their job is to equip everybody that's in the wake to do what Jesus does. It's their job. It's the grace that's on their life. And for some of them, the realm of that, the influential realm of that is they meet with half a dozen people once a week. And together, they learn how to hear the Holy Spirit. Together, they learn how to pray for the sick, to see the sick healed. They learn how to drive out demons. You know, that might be the realm of it. For others, the realm of it is that they, they lead larger groups of influence and spaces of gathering. And for some, they, they, they're not particularly bound to one kind of brand of church. It's like God and his spirit calls them all over the world to be blessing the whole body of Christ in the functionality that's on their life by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting, though. He goes through this list and he, he says, and, you know, and there's those that speak in different kinds of tongues. Now, remember, these are all transrational, supernatural giftings of God. In the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you this morning, if you're a tongue-speaking follower of God and you're not exercising that gift, the guys and girls at the pointy end, they're not fully empowered to do what they're doing. If It's a bit like me saying, I'm going to go for a run but I'm only going to use one leg. Well, I'm not going to go for a run, am I? I'm going to go for a hop. I'm going to go for a hop. But tongue speaking needs to be fully activated so that the apostolic and the prophetic can be taking place. We empower each other for the common good. Remember how this plays out? It's for the common good, the greater good. If, and if, if, if the apostolic people in, in the kingdom of God and the, the prophetic activities and the teachers aren't doing their thing, the tongue speakers won't be doing their thing either. They'll be struggling. There's this interconnectivity of life together in the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like for the blood to be pumping around our body, the heart needs to do what it needs to do. It needs to be pumping so the blood can do what the blood does, which is brings life to the members of the body, which empowers the muscles, which it gives us energy, which releases inertia and activity. This is the way it is in the body of Christ. So my, my question to us is, are we actively partnering with the grace of the Holy Spirit that's on our life? Because it's not just dependent upon us. 
the, the outworking of this. It, how we respond individually impacts how we walk gathered or together. I've invited, um, over the last few weeks, it's been great to have these little th- three-minute testimonies of people sharing about how and when they first met the person of the Holy Spirit. They've been so encouraging and so life-giving. This morning, I've asked Sharon, Simon, if she might come up and share for a few minutes of what it was like when she first met the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's welcome Sharon on up here. Come on up, Sharon. morning everyone hey um, this is not something I normally do so but when Kirk asked me I just said okay and I just asked the Holy Spirit to help me with the rest (laughs) Um, my first encounter with the with the Holy Spirit was back in 1995 I was married at the time and our daughters were six and three and it was around about 27 years ago Up until that time, I never really thought much about God. He wasn't taught taught to me in my home or I I didn't really know too much about him. My first ever encounter with the Holy Spirit was when I was curious and I wanted to find out more about him. And this came about when my in-laws at the time, were pastoring a church in Townsville. It was an AOG church, so Pentecostal. (laughs) We didn't have a real close relationship with them, so we didn't hear from them very often. At this time, my father-in-law was travelling to Brisbane to, to attend a concert and was bringing two people from his church. He pastored. He asked if he could stay with us. Well, being who I was at the time, I wasn't sold on the idea because I wasn't knowing of God. And I agreed and they came. I believe the people that came with my father-in-law were ordered by God at the time. As I know now, he is more than able. When my father-in-law and his two friends came home after their first day at conference... They were so happy and excited over what had transpired that day. It wasn't anything that I'd seen before, being happy and excited about God. <laughs> I became even, even, I became curious and started to ask questions, which I didn't fully understand at the time. But nevertheless, I was curious and I wanted to see for myself. To my surprise, an invitation came for the next night, but with my husband working that evening, it looked doubtful that I would go because someone had to be with our girls. 
The suggestion was made for me to bring the girls along, which intrigued me even more, and so I went. I just, just a little side thing from what I've got here. I could see how the Holy Spirit was already drawing me um, in that time. I remember feeling um, so important everyone helped with the children. On entering the conference, there was people in, in one place that I'd never seen that had come to see God. People of all ages, some blind, some deaf, some in wheelchairs, and all being catered for. I remember thinking, where are the wooden pews? Where's the stained glass windows and the large organ? Because I had no idea. <laughs> I, wasn't sure of, I wasn't sure of what I encountered as my first encounter until some time later as I thought it was weird and a bit like being in a dream. My first encounter of the Holy Spirit was kind of overwhelming, an overwhelming sense of being of peace and enter when entering a large room. When the worship began, I felt waves surround me and it made me feel light and safe. More came that same night. It was, it was what I understood today as lamenting. And I was prayed over and touched by the Holy Spirit again. At around the same time, my unsettled youngest was in my arms and we were in the mother's room. And she was touched by the Holy Spirit. When prayed for, she fell instantly asleep. I believe this is called slain in the spirit. <laughs> Gosh. And heading out, heading out after the conference, which I wasn't in a hurry to leave at that point, I'd felt so much. But God just began to just continue. I seen people being touched by the Holy Spirit in the car park who I thought were drunk and were finding it hard to, to stop laughing and stand up. <laughs> the encounters with the Holy Spirit that night led me to giving my heart to the Lord in the wee hours. <laughs> of the following morning, I was now hungry and wanted to know Wanted to know and all about God. He turned my life around in one night, so it seemed. <laughs> Much has happened since these first encounters, and I have no doubt there will be more. God has done such an amazing transformation <laughs> in me. Thank you for listening. Oh. <laughs> Thank you.
actually, just before you leave, could I, could I just get you to put your iPad down there for a minute? Um, and as you were speaking, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just inviting people as they were listening to you. It was like something was happening in them, being drawn towards what you were saying. So I just want, wondered if you might like to release and bless that to us. I know it's totally supernatural. It's, it's not rational. It's just a work of the Spirit. But if your heart, as you're listening to Sharon there, you're going, oh, I want, I want to know you like this, God. Why don't you just stand up where you are and I'm going to ask Sharon to, to pray a blessing over you. Just where you are. Just pop up where you are. Oh, no one wants what that's going on. Hey, there we go. <laughs> it's just an invitation into more of what God has for you. It's a spiritual hunger. It's a hunger that's being awakened. You don't have to figure it all out either. Just like Sharon hadn't figured it all out. It was just happening. It was a way, she was coming alive to Jesus. Can you just pray, like, bless that too? <laughs> Whatever words you want to use. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you can come no matter where we are. Thank you, Lord, that you can enter into the nooks and crannies, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that it's, it's never about us, Lord, but it's always, always about you, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, as I look over this room this morning and I just ask that you just bring that blessing to each and every person that's standing, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and blow your beautiful wind, Lord, around this room, Lord, and touch hearts and lives, Lord. Bring changes, Lord. Bring new levels, Lord. Just open their Open them up, Lord, to, to seeing more of you. Create a hunger, Lord, and a thirst by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Just to finish off, hey, that was beautiful. Thank you, Sharon. Just to finish off, if we could just go to that next slide. Thanks, Isaac, the last one there. There, there is a sense of an invitation from God in growing up to begin where we are with him and to enter into the more. And that's what was going on just then. People were going, oh, I want more. I want to live in the growing reality of the life of the Spirit. And so I want to just let you know there's, there's really credible, uh, I haven't got time to unpack it now, but just the Bible tells a wonderful witness of the people of Jesus filled with the Spirit growing up in the things of the Spirit, where people who once walked around killing Jesus' people encountered the Holy Spirit in the power of the Spirit and then came up out of that experience ready to preach the, Jesus and the kingdom of God to the world and it was so powerful in fact that those early Jesus people were like this dude it's the transformation's been too much and they sent him by the grace of God that he got sent into a relationship for a season and he grew up 
so that by the time he then got released into that grace that was on his life, he was a gift to the body. I'm talking about Paul, the guy that wrote half the book just about. He grew up in the grace of God that was on his life. The seed, what's the seed? where's the seed in this season? The work of the Spirit for you. Is it the invitation to go down, go, go, go deeper? Is it the invitation to, now's the time, you're deep enough, it's time to begin to reach out, posture your life in such a way that it's opening up for the sake of the others because you're beginning to understand who you really are. You are the body of Christ. You can grow up in these things. It's our story here, by the grace of God, we have grown up in what started as a gracious moment of the dancing hand of the Holy Spirit on our life where we saw someone get healed because we, we stepped into that space where God was operating to now I find myself with such a profound appetite for the healing ministry of Jesus today. I can't go a day without looking at my world and going, where do you want me to join in today, Lord? to bring your healing power, to see the sick healed. I'm not saying it's an office. I'm not saying I find my identity in all of that. There's some biblical words up there, but it's just the outworking of an ever-growing reality. And now part of that hunger is I want to see everyone know how to do what Jesus does. I'm not interested. It's not about me anymore. It's like, Lord, how can I take what you've done in me and see it come alive in heaps of other people so that they can get busy doing what you're doing. That's what we want to be here at Pine Rivers Vineyard. Partnering with love, letting love lead us, will lead to growing up. Let's stand and pray. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, chance to be able to, you know, step out of the, the hustle and the bustle of the ways of the world and hang out with you and, and your people. Thank you. Thank you for the sacred space that's right here, full of your glory and full of our grit. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Take all these words that have been spoken and bring your empowering presence to the, the pointy bit of the conversation you're wanting to have with each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Sarapatiraramatetea. Suturabanarapatea, mapapa.